there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. I, I hope the doctor is in. <laughs> I, hope, I hope the doctor will be in. Uh, this is Robert Scott Bell, and I, I, I just, literally, you want to talk about crazy, just flew in from Denver. And some of you are thinking, yeah, I bet you were flying because you were at the uh, Cannabis Cup. You know, like uh, the contact high may have existed for a few minutes because there was a point at 4.20 in the afternoon Denver time where suddenly everybody, it's like, Happy New Year! And it's like they had all the smoking people outside, and suddenly they wafted all the smoke inside. And I had no idea what was going on except <laughs> my throat was a little burning, and then I got a little dizzy. And, uh, Tom, you'll have to let me know if that's normal, <laughs> because I have definitely anything but a professional about that. But as you just heard last hour on the Robert Scott Bell Show, uh, we had, I had anticipated we were going to play the interview I had with Doc Rob and Troy, and, uh, 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 we talk also about the, um, gosh, what was the, the movie, the, the, uh, the science, what is it called? The weed, science of weed, science of weed, which is a documentary, but we're going to delay that hour, which I thought was going to be the hour last hour as I was flying in. And we had an incredible hour. Uh, if you just heard it and I will reflect the note change eventually, but also my computer died on the way home. So it was like one of these cascading events that you never know when you're going to get through it. So we'll update the, uh, the notes to reflect what we did with Larry last hour from the tribe out there in the uh, San Diego region of California, which, you know, I really wanted to pump that up. So please, if you if you got to hear it, great. Tell your friends about it. If you hadn't listened to the first hour yet, go back, and uh, once it gets posted as an archive at GC International News Radio, you definitely want to plug in because it was extraordinary. I've been waiting to meet a guy like Larry from uh, the Native American uh, tribe to bring that kind of healing back into the people there. So uh, we got it. Trying to figure out the phone numbers as well. If you want to call in, we're waiting for uh, to hear from Dr. Batar. We're going live today, the second hour of the show. Even if I'm a little, uh, uh, I don't know if ditzy would be the word. Okay, we got Dr. Rashid Batar. We can now officially say the doctor is in. Thank you, Dr. Batar. I need you. I need you. Hey, Robert. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We may have a bad connection here, but I think that we're okay. No, no, I can hear you fine, and thank you. I literally got in from the airport, was reset in the studio just before airtime. My computers crashed, and uh, it, it's just like a cascade of events today, and I, if, if ever I needed Dr. Batar, it's today. Well, let's see what we can help you with, Robert. <laughs> Thanks. Well, you know, I, I just got back from the Cannabis Cup. Uh, this is the, you know, the whole movement in Colorado, the first state to legalize the use of this plant for any purpose you want. And uh, I tell you what, when you get 30,000 people together to party in one place, normally there'd be lots of fights, but because there really wasn't much alcohol, it was all about this weed, this plant. Everybody mm -hmm. was mellow and happy and loving and nice. There was no fights at all. That's fantastic. Of course, so they were there for the medicinal aspect and not for the recreational leader aspect, I assume, right? 
No, actually, the majority of them at the see, I went to two events. One was an event uh, with a company called Canaway that's an offshoot of Hemp Meds PX to talk about the CBD. I was on a doctor's panel for that, and those people were hungry for the information on medicinal use. Definitely, they were all about using it as a supplement. The Saturday event was the big, or the Sunday event was the big 420, Easter Sunday, and they did a different kind of resurrection, the resurrection of the plant, the weed. And most of those people there were all about celebrating the recreational use, which, you know, that's just not my bag. But, you know, it's cool. I'm all about making plants legal for people to use. And in this case, I guess, again, if I had a firsthand experience witnessing these people, they were mellow, they were happy, maybe they were silly and goofy, maybe they were repetitive sometimes when they come up and say something to me and say the same thing again, but... There was no violence at all. Well, the medical aspect of it is what's so fascinating, and the historical perspective of it is just absolutely stunning to me. The more I learn about what the forefathers had felt about cannabis, what the use of hemp was, and and the preponderance of the uh, industrial applications compared Mm -hmm. to what we're using right now, it's just mind-blowing. And, you know, the usage of paper, for example, and how the entire wood pulp industry was was created based upon the demonization of hemp, if you will, whereas the growth of hemp is easier, faster, more versatile. You can print paper yes. more effectively. I mean, just some of these other aspects from a business perspective that I had no idea. And Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, and Right and George Washington and all their different quotes about hemp and how it was a gift from the creator. Mm-hmm. I, I bet you that the vast majority of the population in the United States has no idea of the value of hemp and and actually how much of a role and how significant of a role it played in the beginning of our country two hundred years ago and how it was changed based upon again these official stories that that Liam likes to call them. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I just got back, and, and the guy that does the, the pulleys from England, a uh, British guy, I was just talking with him briefly about it before going on the air. As I got home, he was there, and I, and I, I told him, he's like, well, I don't know about that stuff, you know, because kind of kind of the old school. So I was interested in what his perspective was on it, because I told him it was legal now in, Cal- in, in Colorado. And he said, well, I don't know, but do, do you know about the, you know, when the British were routed, massacred by the Zulus, like, I don't know, 2,200 British were wiped out by 60 Zulu warriors. And he said they found out that they were wearing, you know, pouches around their neck. And in the pouch, it turned out, was cannabis. And I was like, and you might not like it as a Brit, but can you imagine what that means for the, the plant and what it does for the body if they could get shot and get back up and keep going? I mean, you think about the medicinal properties, the strengthening, uh, the, the reducing of inflammation, the ability to withstand punishment. I mean, there's so much more to, about this plant that we're learning. And I was interacting with some doctors over there, some of which you're going to get to meet when we're together at Autism One in a couple of weeks. Well, I am amazed at the use of cannabis in things such as cancer, for example, and you talk about the body getting punished in a war situation or in a physical conflict situation, the ultimate physical beating up, if you will, from a physiological standpoint, from a pathological standpoint, is cancer. And so those numbers that you said, it was 2,200 Brits wiped out by 60 Zulu warriors. 
That's what he told me. Again, I don't have. Again, I, he's a Brit, and he's like, mm-hmm. I don't like the plant because of that reason. And I was like, wait, step back for a moment. That war or whatever happened was a long time ago. What, you should look and say, oh my gosh, how did they withstand that punishment that sixty men can overcome twenty two hundred if they were using cannabis? What does that tell you about what the pl- the plant the plant has ability to do for the body? And so when you uh, take that application and now you apply it to a person that's undergoing one of the most significant, if not the most significant stress, where the system itself has turned upon itself, where the immune system is no longer functional and not recognizing the intruder, the cancer is being foreign, and that is the, the most violent type of effect that happens. In fact, you know, m- most people don't recognize they think cancer is what kills people. It's not cancer that kills people. It's the organs shutting down. Mm-hmm. And that kills people. It's the immune system no longer working and an opportunistic infection killing the person because the cancers are wasting away, almost like a shutting down of all the processes in the tumors. It's nothing more than the symptom. Well, now you look at this as the ultimate battle. And what can hemp do for an individual that's undergoing that type of a physiological, physical stress? Well, it's no different than actually fighting a battle. It is, you know, not only metaphorically, right. but, but practically and and you know, from a physical, from a physicality standpoint, sure, it is yes. nothing different than a war. Yeah, and and I met some of the canna moms and, and their kids, some of which have been overcome overcome cancer with the CBD rich, uh, let's say oil, if you will, the from the from the hemp plant, industrial hemp plant, and of uh, a mother of a, two two mothers, in fact, dealing with babies that had seizures, hundreds and hundreds, some uncounted hundreds of seizures a day, that have taken it down to zero just by using the CBD. Now, I don't know of the comprehensive nature of other things that they've done. Some of them are still on medication and trying to wean themselves off, but the medication did nothing really in the big scheme of things to help them. And they're saying, they're all claiming that it was the CBD oil that has changed the lives of these little children. And there's no problem with the use of that oil from a legal standpoint anywhere in the country, is there? Yeah, that's the, that's the message that we're trying to get out, that there is a form of a hemp-derived oil that is from a, the plant that is not illegal. It is legal in all 50 states as a, as a dietary supplement, although doctors are now beginning to integrate it into their practice for children and adults. So the form we're, we're primarily talking about outside of Colorado is available in this oil form. And, it, you know, again, my experience with it has been extraordinary, although I haven't been dealing with seizure disorders, but as that now I've met some of the, the parents that I've interviewed, and it is an extraordinary, you know, one story after another will bring tears to your eyes. Well, the use of this in clinical practice is really seems to be unlimited from a neurological standpoint as far as decreasing the sensitivity of the nerves. Uh, I have no idea what the detoxification components are, but I would think that there would be some application from a detoxification standpoint, from an immune enhancement standpoint. It's a very important application where it sensitizes the immune system to antigens of the half and antigen reaction. It's, it's allowing the body to recognize things as being foreign in a more mm-hmm. efficient, more effective manner. So it's pretty I, exciting what the possibilities are. Dr. Batar, I think you're really going to dig what we're learning, and as you're probably uncovering yourself, the neuroprotective uh, benefit 
as well as some regenerative evidence of neural regeneration. Most of the, the cannabinoids are brought into the nerve system and the brain particularly. So I, I think this holds tremendous promise for many of the things that you know you and I have been concerned about for many years. You've been successful with for many years as well, but now we may have another, in fact, I believe we do, another, if you want to call it a weapon, but you know what I'm saying, in our toolkit, we have another option. And that's very exciting. The more weapons we have in our arsenal that we can utilize and and benefit individuals from. Sometimes one thing that may work for one person may not work as well in another person. And sometimes I look at these patients with multiple symptoms as a fumbled football. Mm-hmm. And so cancer is an example. It's, it's never one thing. It's many multiple things that affect the cancer. Obviously, the emotional, psychological being degraded. And we know that we can turn off the tumor sometimes and the cancer is no longer generating but the individual still ends up ultimately succumbing to the disease because of the emotional psychological aspect but that's just one part sure. parcel of the entire problem but from the toxicity standpoint and all these different various things I look at a patient that has cancer as a fumbled football right stand by on that analogy Dr. Batar we got to take a quick break here it is Advanced Medicine Monday. Dr. Rasha Bittar, all the links are up in the show notes, including to his wonderful international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. We'll be right back. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. I hear that Radar Love song. I always think of CB radios, but I wonder if it has anything to do with cannabis. Now it seems like every every song has some subter- <laughs> subtle meaning behind it. I uh, just got back from uh, Denver. We have uh, Advanced Medicine Monday. Dr. Batar is in the house, and there is a phone number to call if you'd like to be part of the show. 877-317-6432. Today is 877-317-6432. All the links are up to Dr. Batar, as well as Autism Defined to get you ready for the Autism One Conference. Dr. Batar will be doing a lot at We'll be doing some things together as well. And uh, we'll, the whole family of CBD is going to be there as well. So we're going to get a lot of bonus information interact with up there, Dr. Batar. But you were talking about cancer, the analogy of like being a, what is it, like a fumbled football. What did you mean by that? Well, there's so many different things happening at one time in that I, I use that picture in my mind when I'm dealing with a cancer patient that I want to throw in every one of my players I can, every weapon that I have in my arsenal to recover that fumbled football. And so the use of the CBD in patients with cancer is just another weapon in our arsenal. And, you know, you were hesitant to use that term, a weapon, but that's exactly what it is, a weapon in our arsenal to help overcome a disease or overcome uh, a deficiency in the body. And, you know, many times we have to remember that the the basic things are we need to give the body what the body needs, and we need to take out the substances that the body does not need or that are not beneficial to the body. And nine out of ten times, maybe 95% of the time, everything that is needed, um, everything that is desired is actually accomplished by just removing the toxic substances and putting back into the body what the body needs. And then every now and then you have other things that can actually help to facilitate the third phase, which is actually up regulating and taking it beyond mm-hmm. um, where, where the normal physiology is. So detoxification is about recovering the natural physiology, uh, giving 
supplements are replenishing the system of what is deficient is also getting the normal physiology back. But then there's other things such as what we're talking about right now, the CBD, that will actually take the physiology up to the next level. So it's actually stepping up the game, if you will. And so, you know, my fundamental philosophy is always the first two, getting out what shouldn't be there and putting in what should be there. But then if we can enhance that, and that's where the original transfee that has now been taken off the market that you know about, Robert, that's what that was. It's you should take it right. to the next level. There's many different components out there that are like that, that can take them, take everything up to the next level. And this is one thing that, you know, the, the beauty of how the universe works and, and the ultimate engineer's design of having these substances that, I mean, look at this, a weed that readily grows pretty much anywhere, and it, right. it's so powerful and gives, you know, no wonder it was demonized. <laughs> Well, I know. It's incredible. And again, the more we learn about it, the more excited I am to integrate it. It's like a whole system of the body, if we call it the endocannabinoid system, has been neglected for generations. And now suddenly we're, you know, activating things. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've seen this as well. That it's just like anything that's been neglected. You don't just go, you know, to a sprint for a thousand yards and expect to do well. You really got to rebuild the system, build slowly, build up. And that's what everybody's confirming, that you start slowly, build this thing in. It's really altering the system for, for the better. Right. You're absolutely right. But, you know, not to change the subject, but did you hear about Vermont's new law that was changed? I don't know if that's one of the things that you got covered on, uh, got scheduled to cover on the show, but my wife actually, our, our assistant producer, I guess we call her now, Debbie. Yes, yes, uh, our unbilled producer, uh, Debbie, has sent this. I just saw this for the first time as well. Very interesting. Vermont lawmakers evidently passed county's first no-strings-attached uh, GMO labeling law. Uh, so, uh, I, again, I don't have any details on it, but if that's the case, of course, that could start rolling forward into other states. I know that the Connecticut law was dependent upon, like, a, a certain number of other states passing this as well. So I, we know inevitably the wake-up is here. The question is, when do the legislators get the message? Well, at least in Vermont, it appears that that has taken place. There was an interesting comment in one of the uh, sections over here regarding this law that a person made that over the last 16 years, as a result of the herbicides used by, produced by Monsanto, um, over the last 16 years, the numbers of herbicides have increased by 527. So, you know, you're not talking less than two decades and apparently 527, I don't know whether these are new or these are just total uh, number of herbicides that are being used. So what are the implications on the biological system? We have absolutely no idea. So this component of the you know, non-GMOs mm-hmm. um, being being evident, and it's not just it's not just the genetically modified foods, but it's also the how things are labeled for from an organic perspective and such. So yeah, absolutely, you know. and and also the fact that. None of these foods, even the organic ones, are tested or regulated for heavy metal content, which is what we've been finding out from the Natural News Forensic Foods Lab, and new revelations on pet treats and heavy metals. I'll ask Dr. Batar, can we do something to help the, the dogs and cats that may be poisoned out there by these foods that are regulated but not really regulated, from China especially? Stick around. we got more to go. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. Scott 
Bell Show. Alive, it's alive, it's alive. The man who outsmarted you on your gang is none other than Robert Scott Bell. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. Robert Scott Bell. You see, we're on a mission from God. Wow, well, we got to remember that. It is. It's a passion. It's a mission. You want to help folks, and uh, we, we want to help you. And, and Dr. Batar has dedicated his life to doing that as well. Uh, the nine steps to keep the doctor away. If you're a new listener, each and every week we do advanced medicine together on Mondays, and we're going to be together at a couple of events. We can tell you about Autism One, May 21st through 25th, and in July, 18th through 20th, a special weekend uh, Healing Revolution Summit. Thanks to our good friend, Dr. Frank King and King Bio. And Dr. Batar, you're confirmed. Ty Bollinger's going to be there. I don't know if Asheville can, t- can contain the three of us. <laughs> well, well, I guess it'll have to. <laughs> yeah, well, the Appalachians are pretty worn down. They've seen a lot, so we'll, we'll make it through. Yeah, it's a, it's a great city anyway, and I'm looking forward to actually seeing what King Bio does. I know that I've, I've seen a lot of stuff that they've put out. I just have never seen their facilities and such, and Dr. King's invited me out a couple of times, so I'm looking forward to actually getting out there. Yeah, in fact, you know, when you guys talked about camels, suddenly he got a lot of camels. <laughs> so he obviously yeah. loves what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, he does. He's got, I think he's got 26 now. Yeah, incredible, absolutely incredible. But you know, speaking of pets, of course, and you, you're you you love animals. You you raise animals. You've got lots of cool stuff at, at your place. Uh, think about if you know, as much as we talk about heavy metals and their danger for anybody, uh, if the food you were feeding your animals, you found out happened to be contaminated with lead, arsenic, mercury, and cadmium. And evidently, that's what's being find out, found out by uh, Mike Adams at the Natural News Forensic Food Lab. He's been checking treats that are coming in from China that are sold all over the place, like you know Amazon Online and things. And nobody, no federal agency, no FDA is testing any of these things for heavy metals. And uh, you know, wonder why like cats and dogs are dying of, of kidney failure when you see this stuff. Well, I actually have a different opinion on that. I think that's probably more because the vaccines that the cats and dogs are getting at an earlier age and the way that they're hit with it. I actually don't think that the cats and dogs live long enough for them to start getting those implications because a lot of these heavy metals, it may take uh, you know a decade before they really start to create the problems. And so an analogy would be that if a child gets the same type of exposure, which we know that many children do from the vaccines, by the age of 10, you know, you see the neurological implications right off the bat, but you don't really mm-hmm. see the renal implications and some of these other implications till 12, 15, 18, 20 years of age. It's really in the 20 to 30 age group that we start seeing more and more of these problems with heavy metals as they're getting hit at a younger and younger age. So um, about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I made a prediction that the age group that we would see increased prevalence in cancer and heart disease would be the traditionally thought of resistant population, which is from the age of about 18 to about 30. We rarely, at least used to be, we rarely ever saw late stage cancer. We rarely saw uh, uh, end stage heart disease. We rarely saw stage four types of um, oncogenic processes. And we're seeing more and more and more of that now. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I think of the accumulation of the metals. So in a pet, sure. um, in a, in a, pet situation because a dog's life is only about average dog's life is probably about 11 12 years of age cats maybe a little bit longer 15 i don't know how much the 
metals are actually causing problems. That they're certainly not allowing the physiology to be optimal. Let's not you know, right, right. mistake what I'm saying. But as far as causing renal failure and such, I don't know if it's in the system long enough to do that. Certainly in some, it may be. Mm-hmm. But as a general rule, I think that many of these conditions, and I was talking to a vet actually about this a couple of years ago, uh, they made the same type of comment that, you know, really due to the shorter lifespan, many of these problems, which we probably see more prevalent, we don't see as much because there it's just not in the system long enough. Not to say that's not affecting some. No, of you, course you, not. You yeah. see some animals get affected. Yeah. But, well, but what do you yeah. think about something like having six parts per million of, of cadmium, you know, for for an animal, I mean, or half a part per million, 0.5 parts per million of mercury in a tree. I mean, that sounds a little high, That's, even yeah, for ocean it's, fish. Yeah, and it's, it's not even it's not even the actual metal itself. It's actually the combination of these metals together, because we know that an LD1 of mercury and an LD1 of lead, for example, an LD1 is lethal dose. So LD1, LD17 of substance X, if you've covered this, but for the new listeners, maybe that they haven't understood this, LD-17 of substance X is enough substance X to kill 17 out of 100 people. So if you have an LD-1 of lead, meaning enough lead to kill 1 out of 100 people, and you have an LD-1 of mercury, enough mercury to kill 1 out of 100 people, and you put that LD-1 of lead and LD-1 of mercury in the same 100 people, you have now a changed LD of LD-100. So you take LD-1 of lead, LD-1 of um, mercury, put it in the same 100 people, and you have an LD-100. You will kill all 100 people. That's how synergistically destructive these substances are. And there have been very, very limited studies to actually show what the combination of these heavy metals, what the synergistic destructive components really, I mean, the future as far as be able to elucidate, we can't even fathom where... This stops. I mean, it's just, it's just endless how, what the possibilities are, how damaging this really is. Right. The only study that I know of that actually looked at the synergistic destructive nature of some of these metals was a study that was done in the early 70s, and it actually looked only at lead, mercury, and cadmium. So those three combined, we know, are extremely, extremely bad. We also know that when you add fluoride to that mix, it also exponentially increases the damaging effect. But as to which metals cause which destructive nature with which other metals combined, we know it's bad all the way across with the increase in oxidative stress, but we know that lead and mercury together are just a, a lethal combination. Yeah, exactly. And it's the combination of everything. It is, it's bioaccumulative in most cases. And, you know, if people are trying to get natural treats for their pets, please avoid that's coming from China. But even some of the stuff in, in the USA that's being tested is tested pretty high off the charts, higher than you'd want your animal to have it. Uh, I was asking you off the air because I haven't seen a like a pet clinic. There are some holistic vets, but I mean, how many holistic vets could uh, hook up, uh, you know, a cat or a dog to an IV to chelate these metals out? Does this happen very often? Oh, yeah. I know of a couple of vets actually that do do that. And and then I actually um, have, I just recently treated a vet uh, herself who had cancer, and we were talking about some of these components, and there are quite a few. Um, I've probably been contacted by over a dozen vets, uh, veterinarians over the last probably 10 years or so about uh, dosing and such, and, and they've been actively doing this in their clinics, and, and they've helped a lot of animals. Well, that's good. I'm just thinking, how do you hold them, hold them in place that long? Because most of these animals are not going to sit still for it like a human could. Oh, no, no, no. You don't have to hold them in place at all, Robert. Basically, you know, you can put a catheter in a, in a dog and then you tape it up. And sometimes, you know, you usually have them in a crate so they can't move around that much. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, they, 
they secure it very well. I mean, if you can do it in a child, it's about the same type of thing. And you're not letting the dog run around the cat. Run a cat's probably easier because they can just stay inside a small little crate for the dog. You know, sure. same type of thing. Yeah, yeah, just a practical consideration. I haven't seen seen it done, but I'm glad to hear that there are vets also doing it. Of course, you know, we'd always do homeopathic medicines that address heavy metals and liver and things like that. These are simple things you can do for animals, uh, but of course, sometimes you you got to aggressively pull out which that which has been aggressively put in. Exactly, and that it is an important thing. It's not natural for these substances to be um, in the levels that they are in our food system or in the animal's food system. So, if it is possible to um, get it out, it should be gotten out. But it's a lot smarter to try to prevent it from getting in the first place. Yeah, well, exactly. But again, that that brings us back to the kids that have been been hammered by vaccines, and you know, even the the families that I interviewed recently about the, you know the their use of CBD and overcoming seizure disorders and different things that some were called even genetic chromosomal abnormalities and things. Uh, each one of these uh, individuals or family members that I asked about the child, it, it, the, whatever was manifesting manifested after vaccines. And so they have come to the awareness as well, even though they didn't go into the autism spectrum, at least by official definition, whatever that may be now, uh, they ended up in a place that was disastrous and their own body manifested in uniquely in their child. And they are now recognizing it, which is why I think the CDC, the World Health Organization, all these vaccine proponents are really pulling out a desperation plan, attacking anybody and everybody who's questioning these things. Yeah, it's that last death struggle we've talked about many times. Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing it pretty intensely. Where they're they're pulling out some bizarre stories, uh, you know, even one uh, uh, someone who evidently uh, died of I don't know. They claimed the chickenpox in two thousand one. We can't verify and validate it, but why do they suddenly bring it out now? Because parents are starting to question whether they need to do these things for their children, and they don't have really right. sound science, so to speak, to support the promotion of these vaccines. They only have emotional. Uh, let's say, pull at your heartstrings, oh, my gosh, look at what happened to this child. But to say that they died of chickenpox, you can't guarantee that someone would not get the chickenpox from getting the shot for the chickenpox. I mean, that's the bizarre thing. They won't let you, you know, question them on. Yeah, and, and actually, you know, we've talked about this, too, in the past. There have been many cases, when you go back and look 40, 50 years ago and even 20, 30 years ago, where somebody had... I think you called the chickenpox parties where if somebody had chickenpox, right. you know, you would send the child to that area, to that house, to that neighborhood to get the chickenpox because there's a naturally acquired. I mean, it's, it's basically the same theory as getting a vaccine, except without all the DNA addicts from other species and mutated human cell lines and all the formaldehyde and mercury right. and nickel preservatives. It's just basically exposing the body. And that's what the whole purpose of a vaccine was supposed to be, was to expose the body do something so that it has a learned memory and that that memory then serves its purpose so that the next time the person becomes uh, susceptible or the next time it become, the person becomes exposed to that particular mm-hmm. pathogen, their body already has an immune system that's already been trained and ready to respond. And if you just left it at that, it probably would be fine. But when you start adding all this other muck into it and things that suppress the immune system, the whole idea is we want to Stimulate the immune system so the immune system can create its own antibody response. But then you put these other substances like mercury, nickel, and formaldehyde, and DNA addicts, which all suppress the immune system. And then on top of that, you give it at a time when the body's immune system hasn't even been fully developed as in a newborn child or in the first six months of life. You know, you're completely defeating the whole purpose. You give a pure uh, 
killed virus yes. to an individual with an intact immune system with no preservatives, I have no problem with that. Yeah, we, we, wrong with that. we can safely do it, but that industry has not adopted any level of safety or even of validating the efficacy. The claims that they make are not based on studies. They're just based on, well, this is what we claim to have observed, and yet they will attack those who observe differently. Well, not here, not now, not ever, not on the Robert Scott Bell Show, and certainly not with Dr. Rashid Bittar. We'll be back with more powerful healing after this. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back. All right, Advanced Medicine Monday continues wrapping it up this week uh, by kicking it off in style, Dr. Batar. And, we, we, you know, we always tend to talk about vaccines because it's such an overriding issue today and how it sets the stage for a lot of ailments, ailments, illnesses, chronic degradation, diseases, etc. But you mentioned about the concept of vaccination versus the way it's played out in allopathic medicine. Yeah, I, I think it's important. I just came to this realization recently when I was talking to another doctor and a, a very, very intelligent uh, physician that looks at things from all different perspectives. And he said to me, he said, listen, I respect your opinion, but how can you tell me that the concept of vaccination isn't sound? And I said, what do you mean? And he went on to say that you know how an antibody antigen reaction or antibody haptin reaction works. And I said, of course. And he said, your own ARSVs and our soda treatments that you do with cancer, they're all based upon how the immune system works. And I said, absolutely. So he said, then how can you argue the point about vaccination? And it took me a second to realize what he was saying. And then I realized that, you know what? I bet other people think the same thing. So I think it's important for the audience to understand we are not against the philosophy and the concept of training the body to get prepared for an emergency situation and to teach the body what is foreign and what's not foreign because that's how the immune system was created. That's how the creator, the ultimate engineer, created the body. What we are against is to, one, give this exposure when the immune system is not even functional, when it's not even developed and able to function. So the idea is to train the immune system. It's like saying, hey, I'm going to train this child to run a marathon, but you know what? He's still in diapers, and he can't even walk, but I'm going to train him to run a marathon. <laughs> right. How can you run a marathon if you haven't even learned how to walk yet? Well, exactly. And, and another That's aspect a- of that, and I'm glad you're bringing it up, because, it, it, you know, our perspective, fundamental understanding of the immune system is like, we don't argue against antibodies, that antibodies are bad either. I've never said that. In fact, I've said the opposite. I said, there's nothing wrong with having them, but what if, what if you have 21, 2020, 2010 vision, and you can see a bad guy coming, you're, you know, like I said, I see him coming, but you're crippled and in a wheelchair because your immune system is so compromised by all the other things we talk about, heavy metals, uh, nutritional deficiencies, stress, fear, all of these things. It's like, what good is seeing it coming if you can't do anything about it? So it's sort of like that infantile perspective is all you need is an antibody. That's, that's irresponsible. That's what we would argue against. Are you saying antibody or antibiotic? No, no, antibody, you know, the idea that all you need is an antibody. 
that's that's an immature understanding. It's like we don't speak against antibodies. We're happy if you have them because it means you you know you you get you know what's coming or you've you've encountered it before. You'll be more ready because you'll see it. But the fact of the matter is, if you can see it, yet you're crippled in a wheelchair, you can't move because you've been so intoxicated by things over over lifespans, if you will. We talk generationally. Then the antibody is not going to be the thing to save you. It's part of the immune system. It's not the whole thing. Right. Well, and again, I guess we're what my point was, Robert, and and to keep it channeled just to the vaccine aspect because mm-hmm. the vaccine, the, what I am against vaccinations is one the schedule, meaning when the person is given these vaccines, when their immune system, the child's immune system is not developed. Right. And then two, to create another issue that the vaccines have substances in there that are actually immunosuppressive. So, one, if the immune systems are functional because the immune system is not capable of, develop, of developing the immune response as desired. And then, two, the vaccines contain substances in there that are designed to suppress the immune system in the first place to prevent the immune system from doing what it's supposed to do. So, meaning, it's like trying, you know, it, it, it's like expecting a child that's still in diapers to run a marathon and at the same time tie lead weights to the child's feet so that the child can't even move their feet. Oh, exactly, yes. I think we're saying the same thing. That's the, I mean, that's basically right. it. You're crippling them, the immune system, but giving it a leg up in theory so it can see what's coming to, to bash and smash them. Right. Well, I see what your point was, too, but that's an additional third point, which is, you know, looking at it from a generational standpoint and, and the, the, from a conceptual standpoint. But, I mean, if you just look at just the vaccine, how they do it, Mm-hmm. There's nobody, and I mean, I don't think any doctor is going to be against the idea of, hey, expose the body to a lesser evil so the body can be trained. That's why we run. So the body, you know, why, why does a person run? Why does a person go out and do cardiovascular uh, exercise? What's the, what's the medical reason for you to go out and do cardiovascular exercise? So that if you're in a situation where you have a lesser respiratory reserve or you have an ischemic event, your heart can deal with that or your lungs can deal with that if, you know, that issue because you're in a rest, you're in a um, decreased uh, right. airflow situation or oxygen situation. So the Do- Dr. Again, Bittar, uh, you, you yeah. got me going. It feels like we've been racing it, it blinking. It's all over today. <laughs> it's always like that, Robert. How do we do it? Well, come and see us at Autism One. Go to autismdefined.net as well. Dr. Bittar, you know it. Thank you. The power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. 